You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Elon Musk is now the richest person on the planet. More than half the satellites in space are owned and controlled by one man. Well, he's a legitimate super genius. I mean, legitimate. He says he's always voted for Democrats, but this year it will be different. He'll vote Republican. There is a reason the U.S. government is so reliant on him. Elon Musk is a scam artist, and he's done nothing. Anything he does yeah. is fascinating to yeah. people. Welcome to Elon Inc., where we discuss Elon Musk's vast corporate empire, his latest gambits and antics, and how to make sense of it all. I'm your host, David Papadopoulos. This week, while Elon has been tweeting nonstop about quote-unquote illegals at the border, we're going to take a close look at another crisis of sorts, Tesla's share price. It has plunged 30% since late December. Last week's decision by a Delaware judge that his record-breaking $55 billion pay package was unlawful certainly hasn't helped matters, but the situation at Tesla, one of the most valuable companies in the world, has been developing for years. Later on, we'll discuss yet another story claiming that Elon's drug use has material consequences for his companies. To talk about this, I'm sitting here in the studio with Max Chafkin, senior reporter at Bloomberg Businessweek. Hey. Hey, Max. And Esha Day, a stocks reporter who covers Tesla for us. Hello. 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 Good to see you here. Okay. So we talked about Tesla stock a little bit last week. And over the past week, it's just gotten worse. It is now, at this point, the single worst stock this year in the NASDAQ 100. And it's the worst out of all 500 stocks in the S&P 500. Some $200 billion has been erased from its market value. It fell yesterday. It opened lower once again this morning. Esha, what is going on? Well, a lot of things. But before I kind of unpack the many reasons that are driving the stock fall, I just want to take a step back and situate this stock move in a larger context. So as you pointed out, Tesla shares are down almost 30% just this year. But this also comes on the back of a doubling, a more than 100% gain last year. Mm. The year before that, which was 2022, the stock cratered 65%. Uh, I mean, we can keep doing this and keep going back, but the point that I'm trying to make is that this is not an unusual move for Tesla shares. It's a a very volatile stock. It's sort of all or nothing. To your point, there was a period, a 20-month period, from March 2020 to November 2021, where the stock rose 1,600%. Indeed. Indeed. So you want to just give us that context, say, okay, let's not 
let, let, let's step back here for a second and see it a little bit for what it is. It's a volatile stock. So that's it. End the show. We, we, we're done. No, 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 not at all. But that's, you know, it's, it's good to understand that this is a volatile stock. Whenever the stock falls or whenever the stock rises, it tends to overreact either way. Despite that, and I think this is the most important point, despite that, the kind of moves and the kind of value erosion that we are seeing in the stock this year is definitely historic even for Tesla. The kind of 200 billion Mm -hmm. value wipeout that we're seeing, it's definitely historic even for Tesla. So why is that happening? As I said, several reasons, but I think the two main factors that Mm -hmm. investors keep pointing out to me whenever I'm talking to them for a while now are, are really stand out. So the first one is this slowdown that we're expecting to see in EV demand in 2024. Max, that we're already seeing in EV demand, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and also not only slow down in EV demand, but maybe some signs that in particular demand for Teslas is, is, is looking a little bit shaky. Right. And you were, you, you were telling me earlier, Esha, that if you're going to play as an investor, the slowdown in EV demand the one stock to make that play on is Tesla. There's no other way you're going to you're going to manifest that's going to manifest itself. Absolutely, absolutely. So for an for any investor that's looking at like which is trying to play on the electric vehicle market even globally or let's say even US, Tesla is really the only proxy. This is definitely at this point, it's not the biggest volume player. It has been overtaken by China's BYD. But even then, like this is the most profitable EV company, pure play EV company in the world. So if you are trying to make a bet on the future of the EV industry, Tesla is really your only right. proxy. And, and to that point, so EVs were obviously super hot for a long time. Tesla, in large part, because of Musk and his drive and what he's did was the way to play that EVs are the thing of the future. As EV demand slows in the U.S., right, um, it is suddenly not the hot new thing. Interestingly, as Tesla's market value is plunged, several stocks have gone past it and become bigger than Tesla. And Eli Lilly is one of them, which makes sense, right? Now, Eli Lilly, a maker of, of these weight loss drugs, that's the hot new thing not EVs. Absolutely. EVs back in 2020, 2021 were the hot new things like that. They were the hottest fad. Everybody, no one had any idea of how this will play out. But that market has now started maturing and people are realizing maybe they overstepped a bit as something that happens with fads and markets. Just to say, I don't think fad is, I, I mean, I understand maybe buying Tesla stock was like faddish, but I mean, a lot of EVs have been sold. And I think it's more a question of how big the market can get, right? Like there were investors who were betting essentially that it could grow a lot bigger than it has. And and, and now it looks like you're not going to have a lot of people maybe who own one EV and one gas powered car or whatever, but but you're not going to have this like instantaneous overnight EV revolution. Like that to me feels like right. that was the fad. That was the thing that everyone was sort of Correct. That on. was the fad. The idea that it was all just that the momentum was relentless and that everyone in America within a matter of years was going to have nothing but EVs in their in their garage. We can talk about all the things that may have fueled that, but like EVs have drawbacks and people I think underestimated the drawbacks in terms of charging infrastructure, in terms of repairs, you know, with with the Hertz announcement, we talked about that a, f- a few weeks back. I mean, part of it had to do with the fact that like getting these things serviced is a pain and particularly getting Tesla service is a bit of a pain. And and all that is, like Esha says, contributing to problems with demand. Yeah. And, and, and 
To that point, Max, it's not just Tesla that's seeing a slowdown in demand. It is also GM, it's Ford, it's all of them. Now, now actually, this morning, a Wall Street analyst downgraded Tesla stock to a sell, i.e., he is now recommending, this is someone at Daiwa, is recommending investors sell the stock, cut, pair back their holdings of it. And it's interesting to me because when I look at the landscape across Wall Street and Wall Street analysts, Wall Street analysts tend to play a bit of this game where they're very, very, very reluctant to say, hey, sell this stock or sell that stock. They don't want to get sideways or on bad terms with management. In the case of Apple, I'll give you a few statistics. There are 34 analysts recommend you buy Apple shares and only six recommend you sell it. With Microsoft, 59 say buy, zero say sell. With Alphabet, 53 say buy, zero say sell. With Tesla, it is now 21 say buy, 12 say sell. Why? How do we understand and interpret this very disparate set of facts? Sure. You know, Wall Street analysts are like, they are not a very homogenous bunch, though sometimes it might seem like so. I, I can only sort of hazard some guesses as to what Hit are the us different with your guess. Yes. Right. So Tesla's valuation, which is something that everybody is always talking about, uh, that it's a really expensive stock, has definitely got to uh, got a role to play. So even if we think that Tesla is one of the most interesting growth stocks in, in the U.S. market, if you compare it with the other so-called Magnificent Seven stocks, like the... the well, we don't use that term on this show. Okay. It's banned well, in this well, show. Let, let with, be... seven, with, seven, <laughs> with, with the index of seven large tech stocks, yes. Let's, let's say, yeah, the group of like yes, the seven perfect. biggest, the, a cohort of seven biggest of the tech stocks. Tesla is still expensive. It's like expensive. When you say it's like, expensive, how, for our listeners, Asha, how, how do you define expensive? What makes it expensive? So there are many ways to look at whether a stock is expensive. I would say for a profitable company, for a company of Tesla's stature, uh, one of the best ways is to look at what people call the price-to-earnings ratio. So it's a way of comparing what a company's share, uh, a company's share price to the profit it's making. To the profit so and to the, to the expectation of future profits it will correct, make. Correct, correct. So basically how much money you're having to pay as a shareholder to get uh, to right. have a share of that profit. Uh, of, right? that, of that income stream, right? right? From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. The growth story is just very tough with Tesla at this point because, you know, 
this company this company sells a lot of cars. We talk about it all the time. It's a huge accomplishment for for Elon Musk. Something like close to two million cars a year. But it's worth way, way, way more companies that sell way, way more cars. You know, Toyota sells like some like three or four times as many or five times right. maybe as many cars as Tesla. And and I think it's worth I, I, the market caps. I was just trying to look, but it's 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 a little maybe it's a little more than half of Tesla's market value. You know, GM tiny fraction of Tesla's market value sells more cars. And of course, like there's been this growth story, right? Elon ha- was going around in 2020, 2021, well, you know, the, the time of this, the kind of like hype around EVs saying, you know, this is going to take over all of transportation. Remember, not just cars, not just personal cars, but it's going to come for taxis mm-hmm. and we're going to remake our cities and your Tesla is going to be driving around and, you know, driving your friends who don't have cars. It's going to be this like multi-trillion dollar business. And Elon you know, that's fallen apart for two reasons. One is the downsides around EVs we talked about. The other is that the the whole robo-taxi thing has just sort of like failed to actually yeah, yeah. come about. And so Elon has a new story, right? Which is which is Optimus and AI. And he's again trying to trying to find a new fad to essentially attach Tesla to, a new growth story. And and I think for a bunch of different reasons, it ha- just hasn't been as successful. I think there's like a fool me once, you know, fool me twice thing going on, perhaps with some investors. You know, also you have these antics, and and you it just kind of like the idea, like uh, there were there was some credibility to the self driving story. Whereas Optimus, I've watched these demos, right? You see guys like wheel the thing yeah. on stage. It doesn't look like oh, this is about to come from like my job anytime, right? So it's just hard. It's just hard to like believe it. And then and then as Esh is saying, like you look at the market cap. Right? It's pretty big for a company yeah. that only sells sells less than two million cars well, a year. It, that when it lost two hundred billion dollars in market cap this year, that two hundred billion it lost in market cap. It still has a market cap of nearly six hundred billion. But what it lost alone was greater than the market cap of Ford, GM, and all these other companies combined. See, I think that that's exactly what I was trying to get to. Why is a tes- company of Tesla's side, size having so much of polarizing views among Wall Street analysts? And this is the heart of that kind of th- that conversation. Is it a car company? Is it a tech company? Or is it like a weird amalgamation of a car and a tech company? And I think that question has not been solved yet. So when we look at the Wall Street analysts who cover this stock, so for like... <laughs> For the other other yes. six big companies, um, it's it's largely uh, analysts who cover the technology space, right? For Tesla, you would see it's a mix of company uh, analysts who cover car companies, which are essentially value stocks. That's how. So they use right. a different way to view these stocks. And, but then there are also analysts who really cover tech stocks. And even some of them think Tesla is overvalued as well. But that's where this kind of weird polarization between both values comes like, from. Yeah. We need to talk about Elon Musk, right? Because it's not just about, you know, it's price earnings or whatever. It's it's the fact that he is the 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 thing that separates Tesla from being a car company versus a, you know, AI sure. crazy growth stock. And mm. so I think that is also... Well, yeah, that, that's a really good way to frame it, right? Elon Musk walks out the door and what Wall Street investors currently value as this incredible tech growth stock. From the moment Elon Musk closes the door on Tesla... It absolutely becomes just a car, basically becomes a car company. You could also imagine a situation where they bring in, I don't know who, Adam Newman comes in, you know, <laughs> right. he's like, yes. and, and and he's he's energized, he's got the Don Julio, and like That's he's able to it. spin a story 
that maybe it's not as good as like the Elon and the Musk price story. earnings goes to a hundred, right? Yeah. But but you could imagine a situation where another tech executive, like it's not it's not exclusively Elon Musk, but I do think he's a big part of this, and you lose him. And it gets just way harder to tell that story. Let me let me take that for a second, Esh, and go to the other side of it, which is the short sellers. Elon Musk despises short sellers, the people who bet against the stock, bet that the, his stock or any other stock will decline in price. Have they, as Tesla has plunged this year, have they raked in and made a big fortune? Not really. I mean, let's let's look at the data and what that tells us, right? So there was a time, you know, even before Model 3 was launched and around the time when Model 3 was being launched and Elon Musk was going all and on and on about his uh, so-called production hell. Around that time, Tesla's short interest used to hover, I would say, around 30%. And the short or, interest is the, the percent of the total the percent number of, of shares out there that people have borrowed to then turn around and sell in a short... So I I guess a simple way to look at it is like how, what percentage of investors are are kind of betting against the stock. Okay, and it got to as high as 30%, which is a pretty high number. Very high okay, number. And today that number is what? Around 3%. Oh. And it hasn't really budged from that. Like we would see like small spikes and drops, but it really has been hovering around that 3%. Okay, so 3% mark. indeed is pretty low. So basically that means that when the stock soared in 2020 and 2021, he gave the short sellers such a beatdown. And I believe in 2020 that they lost $38 billion. That's that right. The short sellers did that year. I own. mean, that, that kind he, of... That he just scared them all out of the market. So the David Einhorns, the Jim Chanos, even Bill Gates, right, famously That's was right. short. They all got scared. Well, I mean, uh, it's possible that they all have, or some of them have short, uh, short or small short, short shorts. Stocks. They own short, short shorts. Shorts. No. Well, you know, and get there. <laughs> not only when you lose money on Tesla, he insults you on top of that. So you, right. you take a huge loss and, you know, he burns you right. on Twitter as did, as he does to all these guys when they. Did uh, you buy a pair of the short shorts? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, Santa did not bring those to me. <laughs> right. OK. All right. Max, how does this decline plunge in Tesla's value effect is broader empire. I know you said earlier on there's a bit of a halo effect, but for instance, I do I think we know that in 2022 at some point he was considering financing his acquisition of Twitter by using Tesla as collateral. It was going to be one of the biggest such loans in the history of the world. Mercifully for him, I think he backed away from that idea because if he had, he would be feeling a lot of financial pain right now. Are there other knock-on effects on the rest of the of the Musk constellation? We talk about this all the time, but like this is a very rich man who does not have like a huge I mean he's got plenty of cash, but like he doesn't have like just buy random Walking failing around. software <laughs> company for crazy overvalued prices cash. Like you can't make a weed joke and an acquisition every day if you're Elon Musk without essentially selling some Tesla stock or borrowing against your Tesla stock. And and he's he's stretched, right? He's got he's a major shareholder of SpaceX, you know, major shareholder of Tesla would like and 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 that's part of the reason he wants more. He needs it's he's saying it's partly because of control, but I think it's partly also because I think it's weird to say this, but I think he may be feeling the pinch a little bit. The world's richest man, world's <laughs> richest person is 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 poor. I mean, so when should... you're trying to start all of these companies that are 
uh, hugely capital intensive, right? Like these are not, this is a guy who brings Silicon Valley, you know, know-how or whatever to capitally intensive businesses, but that doesn't mean they don't, That's they don't true. cost capital. And Neuralink, of course, like even if they, even if this patient is still doing well, which we haven't, we haven't heard anything that's about that true. lately, but, uh, but in any yeah. case, like that's a, that's like a 10 year project. You have this like boring company, this like massive infrastructure right. thing. You know, the, the, the sort of best economics are with X, which like, I mean, that kind of tells you how, you know, that he needs a lot of cash. Right. So they're both capital intensive and the the return on investment tends to often take a a long time. It also gives him a lot of power because if he if he's capable of self-funding things like that, that generates interest from investors by itself, because all of a sudden it's like you could either join me on this crazy ride with Neuralink or whatever, or boring company or X.AI, or you could or I'm going to make all the money like he it gives him negotiating leverage having this huge wad of cash. Now, we need to talk a little bit about drugs, as one does on this show, and and the board and corporate governance and Elon's relationship with the board, the Tesla board. The Wall Street Journal, Max, for the second time in about a month, has come out with a story that they clearly have put a lot of time, effort, and energy into spelling out the nature of his drug use and his interactions with the board. What were your high-level takeaways? So... We talked about the last piece, and I think this piece has some things in common with that. Like, this is the Wall Street Journal, really respected news organization, kind of going at what has been, I would say, kind of like an open secret, right, in Silicon Valley, which is that Elon Musk parties. And and there are a lot of stories going around and have been for years from 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 sources that are that range from reputable to like other celebrities talking about accusing Elon Musk of like doing drugs with them. Azalea Banks during the 420 funding mm. secured fiasco alleged that that Elon Musk was on LSD. She's kind of been a, a continual critic. What's new in this story, I would say, is the suggestion that the board is very worried and that that certain Tesla board members, the, the story also says that some board members have done drugs with Elon Musk and that they've been pressured to do drugs with Elon Musk, which is kind of funny because it's like awkward to like say no to when he passes the bong or whatever. It's like pretty hard to say no. But but I mean, the really what's what's really interesting is the is the suggestion that some board members wanted him to go to rehab and that. And that, if that is true, well, Larry Ellison, that Larry Ellison, yeah, them, right? a, a close friend of Elon Musk, very important ally, probably his most important, uh, like powerful ally, according to this Wall Street Journal story, invited him to Hawaii, where Larry Ellison lives, to to, to like dry out. Now, I, I should say, Elon Musk has denied this, as he often does, right? He he went on Twitter and kind of ragged on the story with his fans. He said, number one, no one ever used the word rehab to him, and that he went to visit Larry Ellison, but it was just a a family trip. Esha, one of the things that jumped out at me in the piece was, in addition to the drug use that's got Max so fascinated, um, is is the super close ties, all the, the, the complex web of businesses that Musk has with members of who are supposed to be independent on the board, on the Tesla board. We know from last week's Delaware court ruling where his pay package was dinged, one of the things that the Delaware court judge ruled was that, you know, hey, Musk was just too cozy with the board and the way this this enormous pay package was struck was just not kosher. How do investors look at those Musk ties 
with his board. So questions about Musk's leadership are not something that are never discussed, when I, especially when I'm talking to investors. But I also want to point out that investors who love Tesla because of Elon Musk kind of take it in their stride that there are drug use. It's kind of, as as Max said, that it's an open secret. It, I mean, Musk has been reported uh, to not be the easiest person to work with. So that yes. that, that does create... Not similar it's to like the Rolling Stones. Like if you right. found out yeah. that the Rolling Stones were using what? drugs before their shows... <laughs> Yeah, that seems like it might even, yeah. it's it's not only that something you would expect, but I think there's a sense, including among some Tesla board members, that this drug use might be helping him, right? Like right. you have Antonio Gracias, who is a close friend of Elon Musk, you know, donating money to, to, to institutions to study psychedelics. These, these are people who think that psychedelics might so be performance enhancers. So you think enhancers. the stock should be rising on stories of this drug use, No, right? this is bad. It's not good. Even in your own personal life, you know that... When, like, people start talking about, like, oh, so-and-so needs to, like, dry out or whatever, like, it's it's gone, probably gone past right. the point of, of just, like, a party or two. But again, it's hard to know... Because this is coming from anonymous sources, we don't know who is who is speaking to the Wall Street Journal. Because we don't know, it, it's a little bit hard to to say. Like, are these just you know a handful of isolated incidents? Although he hasn't specifically denied every allegation, he said he's clean. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. I can't get you two to stop talking about drugs. I want I keep trying to push this conversation to the much more sober topic of, of corporate governance and, and his ties with the board, which I know you can't you can't comp to a good conversation about drugs. But but Max, I guess I, I wonder as I look at the way he's forged these incredibly tight ties with just about every member of that board. It just keeps bringing me back to an episode in a period, uh, an incident that I think you know very well, which was when he was ousted in that coup from by the board at PayPal. Absolutely. Yeah. So so Elon Musk and I, I've written about this a bit, but like he and, and others have as well. But, yeah, he behaved in a out of control way in terms of his management style and so on and was Board members were pressured by his executives and he was pushed out. But, you know, a lot has changed. And that was then. back in when? 2000? That, that was, I believe, in 2001. Uh, and that was a pretty scarring experience for him. It was. When he says, oh, I need, like, more Tesla stock because I don't want to take over. Like, I think part of that is he's just trying to, like, get a big payday. But I do think there is some real part of his psychology that where he is actually worried about being pressed, you know, pushed out. And he has, for years, had this, some of the chip on his shoulder he has comes from this PayPal experience. I will say that, like, I don't think the the Tesla investors who are worried about Elon Musk's drug use are the ones who think it's a car company. And it, but if you think that this is like a crazy, awesome, you know, AI, you know, robo taxi like thing, drugs. 
you want him to be in charge. You, you want the cozy board. You're, you know, like Matt Levine made a joke about in one of his columns a couple of weeks ago that Elon Musk could like put a bag of ketamine on the boardroom table and the board would say, yes, sir, that was a very good decision. If you believe he's a creative genius, it's kind of like the Mick Jagger thing. If I told you, you know, Mick Jagger is really responsible for a lot of the decisions that the Rolling Stones are making, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, that's horrible. You'd be like, great. Uh, he's a rock yeah. star. He should be. And it's the same thing with Elon Musk. And I'm not endorsing this line of thinking. I think it's like, it, you know, it's it's a lot of things put together that that raise serious questions. But like the believers believe that Elon Musk is a kind of singular genius who should be left alone. Let's call it quits for the day. Thanks for listening to Elon Inc. Thanks to our panel, Esha, Max. Thank you. Great to be here. This episode was produced by Stacey Wong. Naomi Shaven and Rehan Harmansi are our senior editors. The idea for this very show also came from Rehan. Blake Maples handles engineering, and we get special editing assistance from Jeff Grocott. Our supervising producer is Magnus Henriksen. Huge thanks to Joel Weber. The Elon Inc. theme is written and performed by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiyura. Sage Bauman is the head of Bloomberg Podcast and our executive producer. I am David Papadopoulos. If you have a minute, rate and review our show. It'll help other listeners find us. See you next week. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.